The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're so excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. But that's not all. Have you ever wanted to see yourself as a character in a story? Now teachers and students can create their custom game avatars and see them come to life on an augmented reality poster. To learn more about Classcraft's story mode and the new AR experience, simply visit classcraft.com. What really kind of set things off that year was when people were banning fidget spinners. So this was around oh, Christmas yeah. two years ago. Everybody was like banning fidget spinners. This is horrible. I said, I want you to bring all of your fidget spinners to class. Okay. And we are going to figure out cool things, cool ways to use them. So hello everybody, we're here right inside of the Expo Hall at ISTE 19 and I'm sitting across here from actually somebody that I have followed on Twitter for the longest time. We have been connected on Twitter for a long time. Yeah, and this is Chris Avilas and you are in New Jersey. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you actually do? Yeah, so um, I am a uh, fourth through eighth grade teacher at Nolan Middle School in Fairhaven, New Jersey. Uh, what I do over there is I kind of reinvented a, their tech program. And so fourth and fifth grade, I run a makerspace. Yes. Um, and so what I do is I expose my students to engineering, um, design thinking, computer science, and the digital arts. So things like podcasting, streaming, uh, YouTubing kind of stuff. Um, and I kind of, you know, try to make it as fun as possible. So for instance, uh, the engineering portion of our makerspace is presented to them like Iron Chef. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's like a game show. It's a one-hour game show, and they have to build, you know, whatever the day's challenge is. Uh, with computer science, uh, my kids can start up at scratch, and then we kind of go into make code. Uh, and if they're ready, they can go to Unity. And a lot of the kids are really excited about, you know, designing Absolutely. video games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with digital arts, you know, they're responsible for starting some type of show, right? They're, they're you know, um, a lot of my kids, and I'm sure a lot of your kids, right, they're really kind of into this idea of being a content creator. Yes. And so... I want them to do and I want them to know how to do it, but I also want them to do it safely. I want them to do, you know, high production value. Yes. Um, you know, and, and being uh, thoughtful with what they put out there. Um, so they're responsible for starting some type of show. Um, and then we talk about, you know, what does that look like? How should we do it? And how do we make sure that we're doing it the right way? Yeah. And so that's fourth and fifth grade. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of consider it a, a makerspace because their objective throughout both grades is to produce something, to create a product. Um, and what I transition over to with sixth, seventh, eighth grade is I add entrepreneurship to the equation. Yes. Because so many makers. Yeah. So there's so many maker spaces, they're making products and then like they're either in the garbage or they're displayed for a while, whether in school or at home, and then they go in the garbage. Um, but it's really my kids who kind of came up with this idea because part of um, how I teach engineering is they have to take stuff apart. Yes. And we were left with a lot of junk because a lot of my kids have never used screwdrivers before and, and you know, we <laughs> exactly. couldn't really get it back together, which was the goal. And so what we would do is we would take the stuff apart, we would catalog the serial numbers, they would look up what the different pieces did, they would try to put it back together. And when that didn't work, right, the kids came up with this idea. They said, well, can we do something, you know, and, and eventually what we call now Parts to Arts was born. This is three years ago. Um, and with Parts to Arts is when we have junk, we can't put it back together. We then try to turn it into artwork. Yes. And we work that into, you know, like that creation strand. Um, and so right away, kids started to make jewelry. And they started to make, you know, paintings and sculptures and all this really great stuff. And in a way, the junk was now just transformed into something prettier, but it was still sitting there. Yes. And so just like I brought the junk problem to the kids, I brought the, hey, we got all this stuff now. 
you know, we upgraded. Um, and they asked if we could sell it. Okay. And, and so from there, and I should have seen it because the kids were like making little companies and they were making products and hiring each other and pretending they were on Shark Tank and divvying <laughs> up like, you know. And this is all on their own. I mean, this is like yeah. part of their and, yes, and so that's entrepreneurial what, yes, and, and it's exciting, you know, when I go out and do these presentations, when I talk about student voice and kind of letting your kids lead the way, for, you know, for me, that's made a huge difference is, you know, I've kind of had an entrepreneurial streak in my life, in my personal life. But to see them kind of get excited about entrepreneurship and work that into the classroom, um, and I just ran with it. And so they decided to name the store FH Gizmos. Okay. And on FH Gizmos, we were selling our upcycled stuff. And that's also how I solved my problem with 3D printing. Yeah. Because one of the worst things to own is a 3D printer. You know, okay. a lot of people who don't have them can't wait to get them. Yeah, yeah. And then once you own them, they're horrible. What, why is that? Tell so, us more about that. Everybody wants to use them. Yes. And so you're talking about, like, it takes two hours to make the littlest thing. Yes. So you got, you know, I see every fourth and fifth grader in my school, about 210 kids, and they all want they all it. They all want to print. So how do I prioritize yes. right printing? On top of that, I swear the downtime for um, uh, uh, 3D printers has to be 80%. All I'm doing is constantly fixing it. The spool ran out. The thing <laughs> is jammed. The nozzle's aligned. The, you know, I have, uh, 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 I get a murderous rage when I think about leveling, leveling 3D printing beds. Yeah, because for almost a year I had a 3D printer. The bed would print sideways, oh, no. and everything came out wrong. Yeah, so I got all these kids super excited. We're yes. designing in Tinkercad and all this cool stuff. They want to print, and it just never works out. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> but the way I solved that problem is I put it into the FH Gizmo store. I said, "Here's what we're going to do." I said, "You could design anything that you think is awesome okay. on Tinkercad or, or you know whatever the kids wound up using, and we're going to put it in the store. And if and when somebody purchases it." That's when we'll actually print it. I love that idea. Yeah. Yes. So the kids worked a little bit harder because, you know, pushing things to a wider audience gets kids more excited. You know, even back when I was an English teacher, my kids would never reread and grade their essays, you know, uh, um, proofread their essays more than when they knew a wider audience was going to read them. Absolutely. And so it was the same thing. So the 3D prints got a little bit better. Even the jewelry got a little bit better. The quality, the thoughtfulness behind it. Because um, I also worked in design thinking. So, and you start with empathy and what does your customer want? What would you want if you were the customer? Um, and doing all those things, you know, kind of started through entrepreneurship. So the 3D prints are in there. The upcycled stuff is in there. This is going back three years ago. On Damn. the very last day of school, uh, somebody bought something through the online store. We made $8. And you would have thought we had won like a Super Bowl. So I came in. I showed, you know, the kids like our little online bank thing yeah. said like, you know, so-and-so, boom, bought this thing for $8. Yeah. And it was like, it was wild. Everybody was like yeah. celebrating. It was so, yes. it was really great. And so we wound up leaving that school year. Um, I came back in September and, you know, like my boy Ron Burgundy said, things escalated quickly because <laughs> I was at the time also working down in elementary and my primary goal there was to work with teachers to better use technology. But I would stay there for that, that lunch and recess because they ate earlier, right, than the middle school kids. Yeah. And so I had a, a couple kids come up to me and say, hey, you have my older brother, you have my older sister, and we know you did this business thing last year. Can we do it here? Yeah. And so I started a pop-up shop um, down at the third grade, you know, with the third graders in the elementary school, and that really blew up. And we, you know, we wound up making a ton of money, and it all started because I had the kids do a pitch to the principal. We got $70 in seed funding. I gave them an oriental trading. I said, buy things you think that your peers would want. Yes. You know, um, I found like an old rolling uh, cabinet that was like going to be thrown out. So I whiteboard painted it and they would write, you know, what they were selling on, oh, the, yeah. on the cabinet. Um, and we would roll it into the cafeteria every Tuesday and Thursday. 
And it, it got <laughs> really, so awesome. yeah, dude, it got really big. And so I went to the principal and I said, so, you know, we need to expand. And the kids wanted to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday now. And they wanted to do all kinds of different things. They wanted to stay for like the second lunch. So they were talking about getting like <laughs> second graders and hiring second graders to do the second lunch. Yeah. Um, and so what ultimately had happened was we took, um, you know, I asked the principal, I said, can you give me a kid who hates math the most from each second and third grade classroom? Yes. And so, you know, we identified those kids who just weren't into math um, and we asked them to join the team. Yes. And I'll tell you, you talk about like authentic learning. When the kids were counting money that they made and filling out spreadsheets, I had second and third graders by the end of that year able to do percentages and able to figure out what their margins were and stuff like that and how much profit they made. And so it, it it's was really authentic. I mean, it's, yeah. it's affecting them. They're like, okay, this right. is right and, now. And that's why yes. I get so fired Relevance. up about entrepreneurship because to me, making and building something, right? And something, having something that's yours mm -hmm. is so unbelievably engaging, empowering, whatever, you know, whatever education term you want to throw at it because it's yours yes it, you know it's your thing you built it with your own two hands your success right is determined by your effort yes. right and so one of the conversations i have around that with my kids is that entrepreneurship is a mirror right it's a reflection of you right what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it yeah um and so at the same time that my second and third graders were building up their little pop-up store down in the elementary school we continued that entrepreneurial theme because you know my, uh, I think they were fifth grade at the time. We're now in sixth grade. I still see them, right? Because this is like their, their tech special. What really kind of set things off that year was when people were banning fidget spinners. So this was around oh, Christmas yeah. two years ago. Everybody was like banning fidget spinners. This is horrible. I said, I want you to bring all of your fidget spinners to class. Okay. And we are going to figure out cool things, cool ways to use them. And so, I mean, my favorite project that came out of that is we had uh, some kids who figured out how to make, how to use a fidget spinner to power a cell phone. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. And so, so, yeah. And, and kids were even making um, fidget spinners and different kinds of fidget spinners. Yes. And they were researching, they were researching, you know, the theory of what fidget spinners were supposed to be. And then they got into, you know, so then it was really just a neat experience to see the way that they like dove into fidget spinners. Yes. And so I'm, you know, big into sharing on Twitter and elsewhere. And so we were tweeting out. Um, just different fidget spinner prototypes, different fidget spinner projects. And I wound up getting an email from Slack. And, and Slack is, you know, the, the multi-billion dollar communications yes. company out of San Francisco. And they said, we love what you're doing. We're hiring about 100 people a day. Could you make us some type of desktop fidget toy to put into our welcome bag for our new... No way. Yeah, so for our new employees. And so we launched into a big design thinking thing. We're going to make this product. Um, and the kids did a great job and we wound up making like these S shaped fidget spinners yeah. um, that were engraved with slack and stuff like that because we actually wound up having to reach out to a manufacturing company in our area in New Jersey and said, look, this is this is the order doing. we have to fill. Here's the prototypes. <laughs> and they were wonderful. Yes. Um, and, you know, they kind of came in um, and they showed the kids, you know, like I'm like, all right, at like basic CAD and stuff like that. Yeah. And for it to be professional quality, I asked them, could you send like your CAD guys in? So my kids got to talk to them and describe it. People that are working in the field right yeah, now. Yeah. And so. Do that as a professional business. Now exactly. they're coming to your students. And they're talking to oh the kids and they're working with the kids. And, and they were great. They put it up on the big screen. Yeah. And they were going through how exactly they would do it. And then, they, you know, I mean, the dude was a professional. So he's like whipping it up like right before their eyes. Yeah. And so like our little cardboard shape S and our 
our little 3D printed S was now like, you know, like a legit program right yes. in front of them. And so they were, you know, really excited. Um, the manufacturer wound up making them out of aluminum for us, pressed the bearings for us. My kids got them, we polished them, we packaged them, and we wound up sending 50 to Slack. Wow. And so when we made eight years, three, uh, $8 three years ago, we made $1,000 from Slack for that order, oh and then another $300 just for some stuff that we had sold. Yes. Right. So things continued to escalate, and my superintendent said, well, what does this look like for our entire middle school? What if we made this a whole program? Because I, I was just in fifth and, like, fifth and sixth grade at that yeah. time, and maybe I had like fourth grade once every six days. It was a really like fractured schedule we were working on. Yeah. We were going through like leadership changes and stuff like that. Um, but last year is when I rolled out the program in full. Okay. So I pushed the makerspace down to fourth and fifth grade, like I kind of talked to you about earlier. Sixth grade stayed FH Gizmos. And that's, you know, our slogan is, you know, your problem is our project. And the kid's <laughs> mission is to go out, find a problem. Because there's a big difference between, you know, uh, solving a problem and finding a problem. Yes. So my kids go out, they find problems, they interview people in the community, in our building, and they try to make a solution, a product that solves that problem. And if we believe that product will solve problems for other people, more than one person, yes. we put it into production and we, we try to make them. You try to do it. Yeah. Yes. And so I had a lot of great stuff happen in sixth grade. Um, my seventh grade uh, class became FH Grows. And okay. so that's where technology meets agriculture. Awesome. And so, um, you know, I love FH Grows because for a few reasons. Number one, the garden is amazing because it's nothing but problems. And the garden is horrible <laughs> because it's nothing but problems. I mean, the list of problems that you run into running a school garden, like we had a rabbit eat all of our broccoli this year. And so, you know, you try to turn it into like a learning experience. Like, guys, how can we catch this rabbit or relocate this rabbit yes. in a humane, safe way? And, yes. you know, my kids are like practicing making box traps. And, you know, like I had kids who would just go out and stare and like try to find where the rabbit was living so we could try to like figure something out. And we never caught him, dude. He ate all of our broccoli. Sneaky. Um, he was. Yes. He was good. We called him Mooch. That was his name. <laughs> okay. Mooch the rabbit. Um but as, you know, as I started the program, the other great thing besides all the problems and problem solving that goes into the garden um, is the fact that I know nothing about gardening. Well, at least at least I did know nothing about gardening yeah. back then. Um, and so I got to model lifelong learning for my kids because they would say, hey, you know, how do we do this? What do we? I said, I have no idea. Let's look it up. You let's know, I this. said, let's find the experts. Let's reach out to them. Let's read the resources. Um, you know, and, and I love that because... That's really so important is learning how to learn. Yes. I mean, I'm they can see you. They can watch you as you're going exactly. through. Exactly. I'm clueless. Yes. And, and eventually I became not so clueless. Yes. And, and, you know, hopefully they realize, oh, you know, learning is anytime, anywhere from anyone. Because I'm sure just, you know, just like you, when my car breaks down, I go on YouTube and I see if I can fix it myself so or my you you know, hot water, save money. Yes. Um, and so I got to model that. And then the other thing I showed them is, you know, again, learning could be anywhere from anyone. We emailed Rutgers University in New Jersey yes. and they put us in touch with their master gardeners and their master gardeners have been coming in, you know, each class and just working with the kids side by side. Wow. And the sell there was, I said, I don't want you guys to come in and do presentations. We're going to be in the garden. I said, I want you to just come build relationships with the kids and work side by side as we try to make a garden that actually has, like, you know, produce growing in it. Yes. Um, and so the master <laughs> gardeners recommended to me, you know, hey, you should really just focus on basil. 
I said, oh, you know, why? Well, they said it's an in-demand spice because, okay. you know, FH Grows is a business. I'll talk yeah. more about it in a second. But they also said it's really hard to kill. They, you know, and I'll never forget. The woman was so sweet, <laughs> but she goes to me, she goes, any idiot can grow basil. And I said, perfect. I'm that idiot. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and so we grew basil. We did it hydroponically, aquaponically, in the greenhouse, in the garden. We actually got to the point where we could put out 13 pounds of basil a month if we needed to. Wow. And what was great about that is we sell basil to the restaurants and the pizzerias in our town. That's amazing. Yeah, and so the kids grow it, pick it, wash it, ship it, um, are responsible for all the marketing, the finance, the sales, they keep yeah. track and all that good stuff. And, and it's really wonderful. The pizza places, you know, talk about how we have student-grown basil and, and they named a pizza, one of the pizza places named a pizza after our program. Nice. And, you know, when you order this pizza, like it's the FH Grows pizza made with our basil. Um, and it's really just been a wonderful, yeah, dude, it's really been a wonderful experience. And I, I know I, like, I know I did something right when I had a kid come to me and he's like, Mr. Villas, do you know Acme sells ba uh, basil? I said, yeah, you know, I've been in Acme sells basil. He goes, nobody sells basil in our town. And I kind of look at him. He goes, I mean, Acme's a nice place. It'd be a shame if something happened to it though. And I was like, yes. I was like, you are my favorite kid. So we, we are the basil kings and queens of uh, Fairhaven, New Jersey. Don't go, don't go muscling into our town with your no, basil, all right? No, you guys, you guys have, that's your space. Yeah, we have it yeah, locked down, all right? Exactly. That's our area. Man, um, that's incredible. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we'll do, um, I've kind of figured it out how we can do a couple um, kind of like little farmer's markets. So I plant really late in June, okay. so that way we can harvest uh, basically the first week of school in September. Okay. We plant right away after the harvest so I could get another harvest before Thanksgiving. Okay. Winter is when we start to explore alternative uh, types of growing. Vertical farming, I really yeah. try to stress because I think it's going to be super important yes. for the future. Um, and so then around, again in the spring, around February, we start getting a cold grow ready, onions, potatoes, stuff like that. And then we can uh, wrap up the year by replanting. And it's nice, too, because the seventh graders that do the planting in the late, you know, the late spring, early summer, they're not going to harvest it the next year. Okay. Right. They're doing it for the next incoming class. Yes. And so I'm trying to work out like some type of legacy project where they're putting together some type of resources. And, you know, this is our garden. Here's how we took care of it. Please take care of it. You know, because I really stress everything has a place in the environment and the ecosystem and you know, plants and, and all the bugs, as icky as they may be, all have a reason and Absolutely. a purpose. Yes. And so one of the big rules I stress is do no harm. Yes. My kids know, and I get super upset if they step on any bug or, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and so there's a little bit of empathy in there, too, around that. Good. We kind of work and we do this fun thing. I found these little bug boxes on Amazon so we could go out. We kind of get the bug in the box with the magnifying glass and we kind of just like look at it. And then they go research like what it is and yeah, what, what it does. This? And, yeah. you know, uh, we had aphids for a while. They had to research that. We lost a lot of basil to downy mildew. So oh, we kind of wow. scraped it and looked at downy mildew under a microscope and figured out like what it was. And what is this? How it spreads and how it wiped out, you know, probably 30 or 40 basil plants and yeah. how we could prevent it. And we wound up finding a way to prevent it by talking to, you know, the people at Rutgers who said, you know, hey, if you do baking soda, water, and Dawn soap, like that's a natural antifungal that you could spray on the plants to prevent it. Yeah. And so we're kind of, you know, uh, we're fine. We're fully sustainable in seventh grade. We have, uh, we're making our own dirt. We heart reclaim our own seeds. Um, and, you know, we have did worm farms. We have our own fertilizer. It's really a lot of fun. Yeah, worms are nuts. All right. I knew nothing about worms and worm farms. Worm. Did you know that worms will reproduce in the worm farm until a certain point because they somehow know when they're overpopulated and then they yeah. stop? 
you know, so I they know. Yeah, dude, it's wow. crazy. And, and again, this is me getting excited because I learned alongside of like yes. the Rutgers worm expert with my kids, and he's just hitting us with all these worm facts. <laughs> you know, we saw worms came from like eggs and baby worms, yes. and you know, it, he he had us. Um, measure the worm farm i'm sorry weigh the worm farm because you know kind of stuff goes in kind of dry we added 1500 worms within three months when you can harvest your first round of like fertilizer out of it 1500 worms he said turns into about 40,000 worms and the whole bin gains like 30 pounds Oh my and it was really neat. And That's so crazy. we have the entrepreneurship piece because we were also, we sell the fertilizer. We sold worm farms. Oh. Um, so we'll, we, you know, we try to sell um, just different things that also go along in the garden to turn a profit as yes. well. And the goal there in seventh grade is for them to, um, you know, if sixth grade they're designing products, seventh grade we're running a business together. Yes. And that's because in eighth grade it's a business incubator. And my job there is to have them start a business that they can then take with them when they graduate. Man. Yeah. And so in eighth grade they all start a business. Um, my two biggest sellers this year, same thing with fidget spinners. Everybody was like trying to like lock Fortnite out of the classroom. Yeah. I had a team, an event planning team that hosted Fortnite tournaments at local restaurants and was turning up a thousand dollars a night. Wow. For Fortnite tournaments. Holy wow. Um, and then yes. my, my biggest um, business was uh, a business called Student Lawn and Dog Care. You know, they did the marketing, the finance, the sales, that stuff in class. But outside of school, they went and raked leaves, walked dogs, you know, cleaned gutters, picked up sticks. They made almost two grand. Wow. Um, and so, you know, we were crunching numbers. We $8 three years ago, about $1,300 two years ago. We made about $6,000 this year. Dang. Um, and about $3,000 of that is profit. So, if like, do you have resources, like teachers that are interested, they're listening to this, they're like, I need to do this yeah. with my own. You know, most of the time when we think about maker spaces, right. STEM teachers, whatever, STEAM teacher, whatever yeah. you want to talk about, this is not the direction. What you're talking about is so right. multifaceted. Right. And then the then well, that component of entrepreneurship on top of it, mm. that, that seems to be a natural fit. Right. And that's what I would argue is I feel like entrepreneurship is a missing piece of a makerspace. Yes. Or, or even in the classroom because there's a lot of great teachers out there who are working entrepreneurship in a science class. There's a woman whose name escapes me, but she teaches her entire science curriculum through soap making yeah. and running a business selling the soap. Wow. With, I think, elementary school kids. But as far as resources, I write about this stuff all the time on techedupteacher.com, which yes. is my site. Um, but I also work closely with a charity called Real World Scholars. Okay. Um, and they are wonderful. Number one, if you want to see what people are doing with entrepreneurship in the classroom, they have it all documented on their site. Uh, but they're really good. If you don't know how to build a store, they help you build a store. Nice. Um, they give you money to get your inventory started so you can get up to $1,000 in an inventory wow. grant. Um, and then they handle all of like the paperwork. Because they actually will turn around and put you under their what, 403C, I think. Mm-hmm. The, they put you under their umbrella so all your taxes are taken care of and oh, stuff like that. Man. So they've been a really That's huge. Yeah, dude. They've been a really yeah. great resource um, for helping to get entrepreneurship in the classroom during the class day as part of the curriculum. So that's been wonderful. Um, and, and once you connect with you know the stuff that I have and the people I celebrate on my site, the stuff that they have and the teachers that they celebrate on their site, you're going to find some teacher who is working entrepreneurship into their classroom Yes, that, that lines up with what you're doing. Man. Um, yeah, it's really, really cool. Before we leave, Chris, I yes. want to make sure you plug really quickly this app that you were telling me about yeah. that, that you worked on with collaboratively with some other people. Right. Tell us a little bit about that, and we'll make sure we put it in the show notes, too. Oh, that'd be great. Yes. So I mentioned that I had a little bit of like an entrepreneurial you know, streak in my life. Um, when I got to my district, Fairhaven, about five years ago, there was an art teacher there by the name of Chris Dudick, 
and Chris had built um, kind of this program to help students with autism become better socializers. Yes. And so he knew I was at the tech and he came and showed it to me. And we, and we really hit it off. We, you know, really became good friends even outside of like the, the, the startup that he was working on. Yeah. Um, and so I joined their team. And so what we have is we have a product called Silas. And what Silas is, is a video game played with Xbox controllers, you know, available in the browser. And it is meant to help students improve their social emotional learning. Um, what happens is kids using the controllers control an avatar that they select. Yes. When they talk, the words come out of the avatar's mouth. When they move or change the emotions of the avatar, it happens on the screen. And what we have them do is do social scenes yes. where you have them act out social situations. And while they're acting it out, it is actually recording the social situation in real time. So that way, when they finish the situation, we can immediately watch it back. Yes. So students can see how they performed and we can have a conversation around what they did well and what they would change. Um, and we've also worked in rubrics that can be used to grade these social situations, but also be used in real life. Because it's yeah. one thing to have a social interaction, you know, with the avatars in the 3D environment. It's a whole nother one to have it in real life. Real life. And so using that same rubric ensures that we can measure carryover. Yes. Are what they're learning in the game, you know, is what they're learning in the game carrying over to the real world. Yes. I mean, and just to give you like some examples of how I've used it, um, I had a student uh, with autism who would come see me every day before lunch and we would role play through asking somebody to sit with them. Yes. And there were some days where I'd say, sure, I'd love to sit with you. And there were other days where I'd say, I'm sorry, you know, there's no room or I'm waiting for a friend or I don't want you to sit with me today. And making sure in both situations the student felt comfortable, you know. How are they going to react? To how are yes. they going to react? Exactly. Um, I had another student, you know, also who had autism and he wanted to play basketball at recess with the boys, yeah. but they played way too rough. Okay. And so what we had role played, and we wound up role playing this every day for a couple of weeks. He was going to go out there and he was going to explain that he really wants to play. However, he's afraid because he sees how they guard, you know, how they guard each other and it's just too rough for him. Yes. So he wound up, you know, role playing with me through Silas and then going outside and asking the boys, you know, would it be okay if I played? And, you know, when you pass me the ball, if you maybe could just let me shoot. Yeah. And, and he went out and, and he did a great job. We kind of like, you know behind the tree yes, we're watching and were watching you know we it. were so nervous and, yes. and, and and the boy said no problem and he started you know, right then and there playing with him and they passed up the ball and you know they let him shoot and, and this yeah. kid couldn't have been happier Man. and so you know the ability to practice a situation I mean I, the way yes. I look at it is you know I, I played sports in high school and college and I've coached at the varsity level for a long time you know I would record my athletes all the time and then review their performance and yes. talk about how we're going to change things better for the next time we're just applying this to social skills yeah and the fact that you do it with another person right you do it with teachers you do it with peers a lot of these like social interaction type of programs out there are all isolated yes, right a are. kid usually just watches something and that says what's the appropriate way to respond a, a B, B or C, C right of actually socializing yes. so what makes Silas special from start to finish through the curriculum it is all 100% interactive we call it multiplier. Okay. It's multiplier. You're, yes. you're, you're not meant to play Silas alone, okay. right? Small groups or, um, you know, with normative students, uh, you know, also working with students with special needs. It's really been a huge hit. We just partnered with Microsoft. Um, we just added the immersive reader that Microsoft has into the program. We're using Microsoft's um, controller made specifically for people with disabilities. Nice. So we really have a, a top to bottom uh, video game and the video being a video game makes a big deal because a kid is way more interested yes. and willing to participate when they see those controllers. Well, and that absolutely. was a, that was important yeah. that we had the controllers. Yes. We, we did some testing around not having controllers, not it, yes. right? It and makes a big difference, a huge yes. difference. 
Um, and so we really have a nice top, you know, top to bottom, start to finish ecosystem yeah. where kids are socializing together. Um, and, and we've had some studies with Princeton and some other universities, and, and we're seeing some really great learning outcomes and really great carryover Ooh. into the real world. That's some awesome stuff. Yeah, dude. So that's that's my side gig when I'm not teaching. I, I lo- absolutely love that. We'll make sure that we provide a link to yeah. wherever Silas, Silas Solutions. Is yeah, we're yep. SilasSolutions.com. The game okay. is called Silas. And then um, if people want to reach out to you, you're just at... Yeah, um, um, Chris Avila is at techtupteacher.com. If you want to drop me an email, I'm at techtupteacher on all social media. Um, and techtupteacher.com is the website. And I'm happy to talk about entrepreneurship, happy to talk about makerspaces, yes. happy to talk about social emotional learning. Um, I'm really into esports these days. So if anybody wants to talk about esports, yes. you know, uh, please reach out. I'm always happy to connect. Absolutely. And I want to make sure we get an interview, too. Without all the, because <laughs> right now it's banging in here. It is. They're, they're, they they turned up the volume yes, here, but yes, yes it's such an awesome year. interview. Man. Yeah, Thank no you worries, so man. much for coming. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Irvin. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we'd be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or on the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks, as always, for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.